Welcome to Ag Matters, covering the positive agriculture stories from across Alaska. Welcome, friends. This is your host, Cody Buse, for Ag Matters Radio. Today, we have Malena Savigny on the program with us. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. You bet. And we are talking about the Matsu Seed Library today, correct? That is correct. And what's your position with them there? Do they have a structure or organization we should know about? Well, we are just a organization run by my family, not even an official entity at this point. It's a community project now, and it was started in 2001 by my family, and we just used the extra money that we got from the stimulus package to purchase seeds to distribute for free through the community. Well, awesome. Since 2001. Wow, that's a long time for the the family to be putting that on. Yeah, so this was actually a a vision of myself and the family as we worked through COVID and seeing that, you know, seeds were just not being available at stores. And also one of the biggest things that happened is seed companies started shutting down during COVID and only shipping to commercial companies and opening occasionally for the home gardener. And that scared me. We already, as you all know, have a major issue with our volatile supply chain here in Alaska. And so I saw the opportunity. I am employed on a regular job, and this is something I do on the side, and I had the extra money to spend. And so I had really wanted to do something to start this project to help out the community and to encourage more people to garden at home so that we can grow our own food and have a chance to increase food security in the state of Alaska. That's terrific. I think it's kind of neat to dive back into the history of, you know, mail order seeds. And because traditionally, you know, if you're on the farm, I think a lot of that would have been passed in the community or there's someone, you know, the home gardener, the homemaker, whoever that was, and they would traditionally keep seeds and share seeds and probably sell seeds. But I don't I don't know when. Do you have any history on that as far as so, mail order seeds? I'm going to start a little bit further back. So, I mean, if you go far enough back about our country and coming in, seed saving was literally a matter of life and death. I mean, you think about the stories that come out where people were sowing seeds into their clothes to bring them into the country and to pass those varieties that were their heirloom varieties that came back from their country to have a piece of home with them so they knew When they got there, they could grow their own food. So that adapted and evolved over time, obviously, and you had seed companies coming up. And they were more small, as you said, mail order seed companies that existed. But as big companies came along and started to take over those smaller companies as that natural process happened, we lost our ability to learn how to save seeds. That knowledge Really, if you ask people around, and I've been doing presentations around the state and to our lovely master gardeners, and a lot of them know how to save seeds, but those are the unique groups. I mean, you go to most people, they have no idea. And so that's part of this project as well, is not only the first phase is getting seeds into the hands of gardeners that are free, open, pollinated varieties, but we are going to be teaching classes on how to save seeds as well as a free part of this project. Yeah, that's uh, terrific. And like you said, over time, definitely some, well, with a lot of businesses, right? They kind of consolidate and get smaller and smaller. But then you get to the point where today, like you said, they're not, they're like, well, Alaska's not worth our time. And they're only opening up for 
not for the home gardener, which I think is often overlooked in food security. Yeah, and that was one of the things. It wasn't just in Alaska. In fact, it was these companies were closing down just because of the sheer amount of home gardeners that were popping up during mm. COVID. And so they had to protect their commercial customers. Right. And so I saw that as a really big red flag for us up here in Alaska. I mean, we do have some local seed companies, but that's not enough to supply everybody. So, I mean, I literally, our family went out, spent thousands of dollars on seeds that we were given as a gift from the government, right? I said, this needs to go back. And so that's what we did. And I worked with the Master Gardeners Association to identify varieties that would work here in Alaska, because that's the other thing. You go to the big chain stores and you try to buy seeds, those varieties don't even grow here. Some of them and people feel like they can't garden because obviously they brought the wrong variety of seed that doesn't even grow in our climate. So that's the beauty of this seed library as well, is we're offering varieties that are tried and true that will grow here and they're all open pollinated. So you can save from one generation to the next to make sure that you have that seed available. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I, go into the store and I see the seeds and I always roll my eyes a little bit because at least I know enough about gardening that I go, okay, that specifically, uh, or especially like the corn variety. I'm like, that is, look, how many days do you need to, to that's not going to work here at all. Not even close. So that's a really big driver too, is not only the increasing the food security. In fact, we created a mission statement that says increasing food security in Alaska, one seed at a time. Mm -hmm. And so we're really trying to focus on the home gardeners, giving them those free seeds that they can test out because they might have had their situation in the home garden where they tried something and it didn't work. And I'm getting lots of great reports about, oh my gosh, this is the best pea I've ever grown. Well, it's because we work together with those that know what they're doing to create a list of varieties that do work here in Alaska. Yeah, and that brings up a great point. Folks, if you're just joining us, this is your host, Cody Buse for Ag Matters Radio. We got Milena Savigny with us of the Matsu Seed Library and talking all things seeds. But I think we've we've covered a lot of different things. Uh, I did want to talk about how not that the university, I, I know the university is still doing trials, but they've, they've had a lack of funding and resources and even staff. And to me, it sounds like you guys are filling a need or a niche that, that kind of has, you know, yes, there was some varieties and sometimes those varieties aren't even commercially available to buy from seed anymore. So it's, I think it's important that we're testing new seeds. And it sounds like that's part of what you guys are doing. And yes, I will speak to the longer term mission or sorry, longer term vision with this project. And after the first five years where we have more people growing their own home gardens, we're going to start teaching them how to save seeds. But not only that, but we're trying to create varieties that are locally adapted to our climate. So mm -hmm. we've got seed libraries, and we'll get to that in a minute throughout the state or throughout the valley. And I mean, your climate in Talkeetna is going to be vastly different than what you have in Palmer. And so we're hoping the long-term vision is those seeds that are returned to the seed library in Talkeetna, for example, are going to be locally adapted to that microclimate there. And equally, those seeds returned to Palmer will be locally adapted to the climate there. So even further increasing the chances that those that grab those seeds, they're going to have a successful garden. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, we've got a lot of microclimates. We've got different soils. We've got different conditions all over the valley. And the fact that the valley is the size of what, Massachusetts, <laughs> makes you think, yes, there's going to be some variability in there for sure. Absolutely. 
And I wanted to just touch on one thing in when we talk about the seed saving. A lot of our climate allows us, or it's an opportunity and a challenge. We don't, it's harder to save biennial seeds. So if you're not familiar with the difference between an annual versus a biennial crop, the annual crop is one that you can save seeds by just keeping them in the ground for one growing season. Biennials, you have to pull them from the ground. Hopefully you have a root cellar to store them in, which, you know, not everybody has one of those available where you can hold that crop over during winter, plant it again, and the seeds will come in the second growing season. So with our climate, it offers a lot more challenging of a situation to try to breed biennials. Mm -hmm. And so, and unfortunately, what do we have in our gardens? Those that are biennials are mostly from the brassica family, you know, your cabbage, your broccoli, cauliflower, kale. I mean, those are kind of the staple of what we grow here. So it is a little bit harder, but we're going to work on teaching people how to do that. Right. And some of the other ones I think of, and hopefully I'm right about this, but things like carrots, that another one that you're like, yeah, that's a biannual. Absolutely it is. How do you keep that good for the next growing season? I have not tried to do that yet. So there's a lot of learning curve with that, but there's ways you can work around it if you don't have a root cellar. And that's one of the things that we will eventually be teaching people on how to do that. Because another thing, if you go back to the history to step back for a moment, didn't most houses come with root cellars back in the day? Mm -hmm. That was not only to store the food to eat, but it was to store that crop to be planted again the next season so that they could save seeds. And so we've lost that knowledge, not only, but we've also lost the traditional build of our homes to have that space to do that. Yeah, I know it's it's been a multi-year goal of trying to get a root cellar to our house. I'm, I'm to the point where I really want it to be attached, so I'm trying to think my way around how to do that. It's always, it's always a money and time situation, but yeah, there's so many uses to that. The root cellar, it, it's multifaceted and it's really important. Yeah, and we can have them in our climate, so, you know, it's just a matter of working it out and making it happen. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys will be offering some classes or trainings. Am I right about that? Yes. So I have a day job. So this is something I do on the side. So I was hoping to offer something this winter, but that didn't happen. So it will be coming in the fall Mm -hmm. is something that I'm going to really try hard with. And I've the Matsu Experiment Farm knows about this project and they've offered to allow a space for me to teach classes there. Mm -hmm. So we'll be working with them to schedule some classes through that group. Yeah. And I have to give a shout out to Jody Anderson at the, uh, the director of the experiment farm. She's been terrific at, at bringing in new funding and, and, you know, keeping alive the program there, but she's been fantastic about partnering with the right kind of people to bring the type of education experimentation that I think is really important. So definitely have to always give her credit for that, for finding, finding the right people. Oh, she's, she reached her hand out and said, absolutely, we'll offer you the space and help get the message out. Just tell us a date, Melina. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll, that'll be super exciting. So you're going to, are you going to focus on seed saving and some other topics? It'll just be around seed saving. Okay. And one of the things that we'll just start is some basic annuals. I mean, once you get a group of people in that knows that, then we can move on to biennials. But right now we'll focus on annuals. So. Mm-hmm. 
And I know uh, I've done limited seed saving myself, but it's mostly been with flowers and almost incidental. But once you do it, you're kind of, it, it's exciting. It gets you a little bit hooked. Yeah. And you know, what's one of the things that would be so amazing is I, as we can start thinking about creating our own hybrid varieties. You know, mm-hmm. yes, we do offer open pollinated varieties only. But there are other seed libraries in the state of Alaska, one in Soldatna, for example. They have their founder is working on creating hybrid varieties that grow here in Alaska. And they're very adapted to the climate on the Kenai Peninsula. And so we hope to do the same thing eventually. She's just way more savvy than I am (laughs) with seed (laughs) saving and has that amazing knack of that experience. So. Yeah, and for our listeners, can you talk about the difference between the open-pollinated and the hybrid? Yeah, so open-pollinated varieties of seeds are the ones that when you save those seeds, they are true to the parent. That means that what you save is going to look just like their mom and their dad, right? The hybrid varieties, you can still save seeds from those, but it might have been crossed with another variety that's not going to look like their parents. So it doesn't mean that it's not viable and it's not good. It's just not going to look like what you planted the previous season. And that's okay. But we want to focus on open pollinated varieties that we're offering currently in the seed library because that's where we want to have the knowledge start so people understand what certain things they want to save, what traits they want to save from one seed variety to the next. Right. And the hybrid might be kind of the next step for some of those more advanced people. They're like, I really like the characteristics that come out of this. Might not be able to save the seed, but we can save the seeds of both of the the hybrid's parents and still get that what we want. And with that, and you, your open pollinated varieties, you can still have crosses within mm. the same family. So that's something that I can teach about. And there's ways and techniques that you can use to keep that from happening. But for the most part, we're focusing on the annuals that we're going to keep it easy at first. Yeah. Well, folks, if you're just joining us, this is your host, Cody Buse with Ag Matters Radio, where we're here with Melena uh, of the Matsu Seed Library. And what's something we haven't talked about yet? Why not share where are our seed library locations? So we are growing every year with the gracious help from our community. Currently, we have two physical locations, one in Wasilla at the Wandering Cafe. Mm -hmm. And the second one is in Talkeetna at the library there in Talkeetna. And so each of those locations, the way that it works is you go in during business hours There's a binder there where you fill out your information and you record the seed varieties that you're keeping and you put them back in the binder. And that's just a record for knowing when you bring your seeds back, which one and which variety you actually borrowed. Mm -hmm. And so each of those locations sends and is managed individually by a volunteer in the community. And I just wanted to send a shout out. I would not be able to do this project without the generous seniors at the Wasilla Area Senior Center. Every Friday from 1230 to 3:30, I have a dedicated group of ladies and gentlemen that sit around and help me repackage these seeds. And so without them, there's no way this project would be successful. And it's been a year and a half now that we're diligent every week getting together and we share stories about gardening and life and so come out and join us if you can it's every friday from twelve thirty to three thirty at the wasilla area senior center i bet there's quite the accomplished gardeners in that group for sure and probably some some new to to that also absolutely there are people from 
born and raised Alaskans to people who have never been to Alaska before. And we all learn from each other and have become close friends. So it's, it is, this is a community project. And that's the whole point of this is it's not, it was never meant to be run by my family. And Mm -hmm. so that's what the vision is to become a community project in the end. You're probably getting to this, but how else can people get involved? So once we start teaching people how to save seeds, we could really use some help with actually saving seeds and getting out there and trying it. You know, there's only a limited amount of funding that came into this project. We're not a nonprofit. We're just a family that came together to create this project. But we're going to need people to start saving seeds to return to the library. And that's something that we need your help with. So whether you're an avid seed saver already or you're looking to save seeds, we need your help. So reach out. We have a Facebook page. It's called Matsu Seed Library. And I will add you there and there we list events. And you can also reach me by email, Library at gmail.com. Great. And what I'm just thinking about how the victory gardens of, of World War II and, you know, we've seen, gosh, uh, every time I think we're through this or we're over with supply chain issues, we're, we're just not. So we have something biological now, you know, affecting bird population, and we've known about it for a while, but eggs, you know. So there's just one more example of things that the more we can produce at home, the better. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that this was intended to boost up our home gardeners, and that's our focus. More of us that garden at home, the more chance we have to make it through hiccups in our supply chain, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we've seen that over and over again. So we need to help each other out and help our community and grow our own home gardens. So definitely very important. I am kind of inspired to start an herb garden this year, just because it seems like between dried herbs and fresh herbs, you can get fresh. Sounds like it's a whole nother experience when you're making stuff. I don't know if you have any experience with that, but to me, that's one of the one more thing why it's really nice to have production at home is you have that freshness or varieties that you can't find anywhere else. Well, we have herbs available at our seed library locations. And I forgot to add one more thing. I'll go back. We did offer during COVID when we didn't have our physical locations, we were sending seeds by mail. So I have mm-hmm. a catalog with about 150 varieties of vegetables, edible flowers and herbs and if you aren't near any of those locations that I mentioned and you have no car and can't get there please still email me I will send them out by mail just wanted to throw that out there because we want you to have access to this project yeah so edible flowers I just want to dive into that a little bit because I'm I know uh, probably the only one that comes to my mind is nasturtiums and I really like to add that the leaves to a salad and and the and the flowers but what else can we expect let me open up this right now and I'll tell you which flowers we've got on our list because I've still I'm going to be sending out and making it available on the Facebook page here at the end of the month, because now is the time to start your onions, your celery, your leeks. But you asked about flowers. Let's see. Yeah, if you've never had some nasturtium leaves or or the flowers in your salad, you're missing out. It adds a fun peppery taste. So borage tastes a little bit like cucumber. Wow. Let's see. Chamomile is one that you can add for teas. I've, it's mm-hmm. edible and then medicinal properties as well. Calendula, let's see. There's all our nasturtiums. Oh, yeah, quite a wide variety, several. Um, and that's the other thing is when we, I, I, a lot of times we say, oh, it's an apple, 
But if you go to the store, there's Granny Smith and there's Fuji and there's quite a variety when you cut when you talk about if you just say carrots, there's a lot more varieties of carrots and they're gonna taste different, they're gonna cook different, and the the bet the more seeds we can get, I think, adapted to our area, the better. Better for our palate and better for us. Absolutely. So check us out on Facebook. I'll be posting the newest catalog available but then again your local seed library physical locations are going to have different varieties because Mm -hmm. if we have seeds returned to those they will be offered at those locations only so check it out we will we'll have to do that and then it looks like we got a minute or two remaining to us what can you tell us about any partnerships or just knowledge about other seed libraries across the state yes definitely i mentioned that in the beginning thanks for bringing it back up so homer has a seed library run by Saskia Esslinger, and she has that seed library in the Homer Library. And there's also one in Soldatna, and I believe it's at their library. I'm trying to remember exactly, but that's run by the community. And the gal that ran that named Laura, she's helped turn that back over, and the community has taken it over, which is exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. And so that those are the three that I work closely together with that I know of. If you have any others that you know of, please reach out. We'd love to hear about you. Yeah, definitely. One that I'm just off the top of my head, only because I spent a little bit of time in Fairbanks, is that I think Esther had one. But I could, I, and hopefully it's still going. Esther has, you know, Calypso Farms, and they've always got some cool stuff going on. So I like the town of Esther. It's very unique. I did reach out to them in the very beginning, and I can't remember if I heard back because I was looking to start this project and... I needed some other folks to get their opinion on how it ran, right. but I do remember that one now. Yeah, well, we li- we have a literal minute left, so I always like to ask our guests, and you, you can tell us what maybe what's a particular flower or veggie that you really enjoy um, that comes from this, and any parting wisdom thoughts. My One of my absolute favorites, if you've never tried it, is auric. Mm. Auric is from the spinach family. It grows really well up here, and it's a green but the, fl- but the leaves are actually purple, and they're highly nutritious and one of the best tasting once you cook it. So I encourage you to give that a try. And parting wisdom is, I would say we can reach back into the roots of our ancestors and learn how to save seeds again. We don't need to depend on others to provide food for us. It is a nice luxury that we have in our community now to be able to go to the store, but How amazing is it to go and pick that tomato from your home garden or share that extra produce with your family? That's what we need to get back to. Thank you. Thank you for being on the program today and sharing the knowledge and passion. I'm really inspired by you guys' ability to take it from the family level and share it with the community and partner with everybody that you're partnering with. And we wish you the best of luck. Folks, you know where to find them. And today's program, I did want to end with a shout out to the Alaska Farmland Trust and want to make sure that people go check out their website, talk to their new director, Amy, and just see the new programs that they have going. And of course, always you can volunteer, but especially support with your monetary donation. So thank you for joining us on Big Cabbage Radio today. And thanks for being on the program. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Ag Matters, covering positive agriculture stories from across Alaska. Ag Matters is a production of Radio Free Palmer, recorded at our studios in Palmer, Alaska. For more information about this program, email manager at radiofreepalmer.org.